two years, I think, something like that. <laughs> a lovely lady, my best friend, and um, she's, she works in a prison and she's got some stories to tell. And she just reminded me tonight when she heard I was talking about the mother heart of God that she just had a story that sort of sits very nicely with this, um, with this subject tonight. Uh, this story is about a, a chaplain. Uh, I, I don't know the prison that he was in. <clears throat> and he decided, because it was Mother's Day, that he would buy um, a Mother's Day card for all the prisoners that were coming to the chapel. There were about 500 of them, so he bought about 500 cards. And he had the prisoners sign the cards, and he said, if you sign them, I'll mail them for you. And every one of the prisoners signed a card and sent it to their mom. It was amazing. It was very touching. And he was so excited. He thought, oh, I think I'll do that again for Father's Day. Because in England, Mother's Day comes first, and then Father's Day is later. And so he bought 500 cards, and he gave them to the prisoners. And not one of them signed it. So mothers are very important people in the lives of prisoners when I have been amongst the prisoners, I've asked them often, how many of you are in families that are together? And almost without fail within my group, one at the most would have a family that's together. And we were doing honoring your parents. And one of the guys said to me, how do you honor a dad that hits you and beats you all the time? How do you do that? How do you honor a parent like that? And uh, one of the things that I've learned is to sit back and just let the other prisoners give the answers. So I said, I don't know. What do you think? How do you do it? And then one of the guys piped up and said, well, you need to forgive them. You need to forgive them. So on that note, I'm going to hand it back to Richard. Thank you for that story. I know what time do I need to wind up? Okay. Thank you. I don't want you falling asleep or getting, going past your bedtime. I know that's not a good idea. Um, I'm a, a culturally lost Kiwi. As Steve said, I left New Zealand when I was at uh, the tender age of 20. Who's 20 here today? Oh, that's lovely. It's nice to be amongst friends. Good. Um, I used to be 20, and, um, and I ran away from New Zealand. Um, I ran away from a complicated relationship with a, with a young woman. I ra ran away from uh, parents whose relationship was falling apart. And uh, I found myself in England not quite knowing why. Um, and I've been there 32 years, 30, well, 35 years in YWAM, uh, effectively. Um, I am the result of a YWAM street outreach. Those, those of you who are here do, on your DTSs doing outreach and stuff, go for it. You never know who you're going to bump into. I walked into Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park in London, and there was a group of people talking about God. And I stopped, and I listened. And I thought, wow, peace, love, dope, Hare Krishna, Jesus, that's all cool. And I got talking to one of them, and I thought, yeah, you know, I could, uh, I could believe what these guys are talking about. I felt moved by this. Uh, but I kept smoking dope, and I went traveling, and I got ripped off in Spain. And I said, God, please help me wherever you are, whoever you are. And, uh, and I found myself almost miraculously three days later back in England without a passport, without money, without shoes, without anything, but God looked after me, answered that prayer. And, uh, and, and I walked into Leicester Square, another part of London, 
and there was a group of people preaching the gospel and I stopped and listened and I was deeply moved by what I was hearing and I got talking to them and this was another group of YWAMers and, uh, and I, got, I went to this guy and I said, um, you know, if I kind of get somewhere to live and settle down somehow, would you teach me about Jesus? Because I think I need to surrender. Um, and uh, he said, come round for dinner. So I went round for dinner two days later and I met my wife and lived happily ever after. Just like that. So why were I'm out on the streets? Go for it. You never know who you're going to bump, in, bump into. I'm talking about the mother heart of God tonight because I was moved by the scripture that Anna brought to us on Monday morning. At the end of the Monday morning worship meeting, he just brought us a scripture from Psalm 49 that talked about God being like a mother and not forgetting the child that she had born or nursed. And, uh, and that just moved me. I was just saying, Lord, what am I going to talk about this Thursday? And I had you know, two or three of my favorite ideas and then this idea just stuck. So this is the first time I've taught this, so be patient with me, because uh, it might come out a little bit strange. So, God is the source of all things feminine. We don't always think about God the feminine. There's lots of teaching about the fatherhood of God for the reasons that Michelle suggested, because dads have messed up so brilliantly that we've needed a lot of help. And scripture refers to God in the masculine first person so often as he and him. And so we have a very strong sense of God, the masculine. But what I want to draw out for you tonight is God, the feminine, because I think we need to understand this as well. Women need to understand it by way of affirmation, and men need to understand it by way of nurture. So I'm just offering these thoughts to you. The patriarchal context of Scripture is important for us to understand. The Scriptures were written in a male-dominated culture. Women were not allowed to be educated, Women were just below men and slightly above animals in society at that time. Women were your property. This is evident when the men of the town come and demand the young men so they could have sport with them, as, King, as the King James Bible puts it, as, so they could know them carnally, as other translations say. When, this is when um, uh, the stranger was staying at Lot's house and, uh, and he's asked for the young men who are staying the night to be put out in the street so that the men of the town can have sex with them. And Lot says, no, do not do this wicked thing. These men are my guests. Here, have my virgin daughters. You can do what you want with them. That's the place of women in the society in which the scriptures come to us. Women were not allowed in the inner temple courts. So even when we come through into the New Testament... When Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he might have been in the courts where just men were. And there would be, because there were sort of layers. If you imagine sort of a square within a square within a square within a square. The Holy of Holies was right in the middle. And then the priest only once a year was allowed in there. Then the next layer out was where the priests usually ministered. And then the next layer out was where the men were allowed. And the next layer out was where women were allowed. But if they were menstruating, they weren't even allowed there. They had to stay outside, even the outer courts. So women were excluded from being able to access the the closeness of God, as it were. This is just something about the background so that we can understand the context of women in Scripture. Women weren't educated, as in many Muslim societies today, for some reason. So we have strong patriarchal 
values in different societies and in the society that gave us the scriptures. That doesn't mean that scriptures are invalid or irrelevant to us, but we have to understand that in the light of how they were written and how we interpret them. We've gotten hung up sometimes too with women in positions of leadership and speaking and teaching and so on in a church context. Paul, I think, is slightly misrepresented um, with the idea that, uh, you know, I will not allow a woman to speak in church. Have you ever read that verse and wondered what was he on, on about? One possible translation of that is that there was a certain woman that he was having problems with. And he decided that he would not allow a certain woman, a woman, to speak in church. And he was speaking of one particular woman. But that has been taken by some denominations and churches as being women should not teach in church. Very unhelpfully. Fortunately, YWAM is not like that. In Genesis 1.27, God said... No, no, so God created, this is the verse, God created man in his own image. And we are left with the understanding that men are created in the image of God. So what about women? Well, that actually, that man there refers to mankind. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, them, male and female, he created them. We need to understand that because you can see from the first two lines it's all masculine and we can easily lose the full meaning of the importance of women in society and culture as a full and fair reflection, a full and fair reflection of what God is really like. So women are made in the image of God. It's easy for us to miss that or forget that. Perhaps we take it for granted, but it sometimes just needs to be said. Genesis 2, we have a slightly more elongated version of the creation story, of, of the, the creation of uh, man and woman. In the process of this, verse 18, when all the animals have passed by and the man has given names to all the animals and him and Jesus are there hanging out. I say him and Jesus because God was with him in the garden. Who is God who hangs out in gardens with man? With a body. Who is that? God in the flesh is Jesus. So Jesus and Adam were hanging out in the garden, naming all the animals. And at the end of having named all the animals, um, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, there was two giraffes and two monkeys and two kangaroos and two elephants and two men. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, suitable helper... Too often we've thought of her as slippers, dinner, sex slave, dishwasher, cook, floor sweeper. That's the suitable helper that we sometimes have associated with this role of Eve being brought along as a suitable helper. But that is not the meaning of the words. Did any of you struggle with long division when you went to school like I did? Anybody? There's about five of us. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Okay, we struggled with long division. When we were having that struggle and we put our hand up, what did we need? Help. What sort of help? There's no wrong answers. Expert help. Suitable help. 
the best help, somebody who knew more than we did, somebody who could make the difference that we were looking for, the expert helper. That's actually the meaning of those words. If you'd like to read more on this and think about it, David Hamilton's written a very good book, Why Not Women, where he looks at some of the more difficult scriptures and helps us to think about them in, in another way. Why Not Women, David Hamilton, long-term YWAM leader. Um, so for Adam, no suitable helper was found, so Eve was brought on the scene. God made woman from the man's rib. For this reason, the man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The first reference to sex in Scripture, after the command to increase and multiply, fill the earth um, and be fruitful in Genesis one twenty eight, we then have the first command for sex in Genesis 2.24. So that's the beginning of sexuality and gender, gender identity. But whose DNA does Eve have? In whose image is she made? Too often we sort of get hung up on this, well, she's made from man. She was made out of man's rib, forgetting the fact that she's made in the image of God. And without her, we do not have a full and fair reflection of the character and nature of God. I've already said that. Women and mothers, as well as fathers, are a reflection of the nature of God. Isn't it interesting that God births us into a family? He set it up that we are born as helpless little people in a family where we have a mummy and a daddy to look after us and care for us and nurture us. We can't feed ourselves until we're about, what, three, four years old? And that's just getting the spoon in the right hole. And how long does it take us to learn how to actually prepare food to feed ourselves? quite some years. If you look at animals in the wild, how long does it take them to start feeding for themselves? Minutes. It takes us years. We are useless. Why are we useless? Because God made us dependent so that we would depend on parents, so we would learn about interdependency, about relationship, about family. Why? So that we would understand something about relating to God, connecting with God, being nurtured, fed, encouraged, kept warm, by God. We need parents to show us that. In Scripture, there's a great many women who reflect the character and nature of God as leaders, warriors, prophets, evangelists, pastors, apostles, teachers, and others. And we need to understand that, that the kingdom of God has been advanced by women. William Booth, foundation of the Salvation Army, said, some of my best men are women, which I thought was a lovely phrase, because most of the men were drunk. So, God, the good parent, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. God is a good parent. God is better than a parent. Some of us have had difficult relationships with dads or don't even know who our dad is. It's interesting, that story that Michelle gave us. Men disconnect from their children. One of the statistics that I came across in my family therapy training was that men, after divorce, lose touch with their children within about two years. And the statistic is something like 95% of dads lose touch with their children after two years after a divorce. It's a shockingly high statistic, isn't it? But some of us have experienced being forsaken by mums as well. Left, abandoned, maybe mum dies... Maybe mum leaves dad because she can't stand living with him. 
We've lost mums, we've lost dads. We feel that forsakenness, we feel that emptiness, we feel that gap. And I know we've had lots of father heart teaching recently, so I'm not going to spend much time on that. But the Lord will receive us. The Lord will be that parent for us. And this was the verse that Anu gave us on Monday morning. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? I will not forget you, says the Lord. Now that's the Lord saying, I'm better than a mother. I'm like a mother. I want to hold you close. I want to nurture you. I want to feed you, tenderly care for you, have compassion on you, hold you to my breast. We don't always think of God in that way. What about God the mother? Isaiah 66, 11, 12, and 13, interesting verses. You will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. This is a prophecy to Jerusalem by the prophet Isaiah, speaking in the first person as God. Speaking on behalf of God in the first person. I will do this for you. You will be this. And what's he saying? You will nurse. What is that? What is nurse? Is that a bit like the person who helps a doctor? What does this mean in this context? I heard someone say breasts, and I've heard someone else say care and comfort. You're allowed to shout. This is Africa, after all. (laughs) Join in if you wish to. You will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You know, one of the translations that I read, I've been looking at different translations. This is the NIV. One of the translations I read said, you will be fed at her side. The translators couldn't quite bring themselves to use the word breasts. They were struggling with that. Who were the translators? Men. You will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts, not fed at her side. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. You will nurse and be carried on her arm. And what does dandled on her knees mean? Something like that, maybe. It's not a word that we use, is it? Who uses the word dandled? I mean, I've been speaking English for 55 years, and I've never come across it other than in this verse. But the translators decided that dandled was a good word to use. It's somewhere between dangled and bounced, I suppose. Dandled on her knees. There's lots of people bouncing their knees. Okay, you're getting the idea. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. So there's three verses that reflect the feminine heart of God, the maternal heart of God towards Jerusalem. Interesting passage. Why haven't we seen it before and thought about it? What about the maternal Jesus? Again, this is is about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. This is Jesus, the maternal Jesus. Yes, we look at Jesus. He was a bloke. He was a man in the way that I'm a man, but he had a heart 
of compassion. He had a maternal heart. He had a mother's heart. He compared himself to a hen, not a rooster, not a cockerel, but a hen, a mother hen. You know, one of my children told me a story once. Apparently there was a forest fire had gone through this particular place. I don't know where it was exactly. And some people were going through the following day and they were inspecting the damage. And there was all these skeletons of trees. And there was this little pile of ash that was sort of in the shape of a bird. It was a strange sort of a shape, but it looked a bit like a bird. And one of them, with his great lumberjack boots, gave it a kick. And the pile of ash disappeared. And out from underneath it scuttled some little chicks. That's the mother heart of God. That's agape love. That's sacrificial love. That mother bird gathered her chicks under her wings and got incinerated. And her chicks survived. That's what Jesus did for us at the cross. He took the fire. He took the heat so that we would survive. The maternal Jesus. El Shaddai. Do we know what this word means? We sing the song, don't we? I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm tone deaf. I'm useless at singing. You don't want to hear it. Sorry, I just need a drink. El Shaddai, any guesses? The strong God. God Almighty. Well, there are various interpretations. The word shadda in Hebrew means breasts. Oh, there's a shock. <laughs> that is probably the root word. There's another word in Hebrew that is also considered to be a root word. It's shadayun, and it means destroyer. So we've got the option of destroyer or breasts as possible root words for El Shaddai. Most commonly, El Shaddai is, tra- is translated God Almighty, as somebody said. God the strong. What does Almighty look like to you? So if you do this, hmm. It's sort of, you clench your muscles, you grit your teeth. You're the hunkiest man you can possibly be when you do that, aren't you? When I think of Almighty God, I think of a shield, I think of a spear, I think of Robocop, you know, something like that. That's Almighty. All-powerful, very strong. Unlike a friend of mine, an Irish friend of mine, that I knew many years ago, this made me laugh when he told me, he said, when he first became a Christian, we were all singing this song, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Any old YWAMs remember that song? The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Until he saw it written down, you know what he thought that meant? The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is my tea, as in my cup of tea. The Lord thy God is my cup of tea, which is quite nice if you're in an English context. That's what he thought Almighty meant. My tea. Anyway, most commonly, the translators have given us this masculine, almighty sort of a God wherever El Shaddai is recorded in Scripture. More accurately translated, Probably all sufficient might be slightly closer. And there are some translations. I looked at 15 translations this week just to get an idea. Some translations use all sufficient. Others just use El Shaddai because they're not sure. 
and they let you figure it out for yourself. Perhaps, most correctly translated, many-breasted one. Now there's a shock. Many-breasted one. To Abraham, the Lord said, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. I am Destroyer. I am Many-Breasted One. You decide. You decide. To Abraham, to, sorry, Abraham, before he is Abraham, to Abraham, the Lord says, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant, my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Does that sound like destroyer or does that sound many-breasted one? Does that sound like the all-sufficient or the almighty? Isaac's blessing of Jacob, Genesis 28. May God almighty, God destroyer, bless you and make you fruitful and increase in numbers until you become a community of people. Or, may God, the many-breasted one, bless you and make you fruitful and increase in numbers until you become a community of people. Which one makes more sense to you? Genesis 35, 11 and 12. And this is God... Um, I think God speaking to, to Jacob, to Israel. God said to him, this is, his, this is a blessing, I am El Shaddai, I am destroyer, almighty. I am El Shaddai, many-breasted one. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will come from your body. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And will give this land to your descendants after you. Is that a destructive process or a creative process? Is that a nurturing God? This is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob speaking to his sons who have got themselves in a bit of a pickle. There was a bit of a famine in the land, and they had previously because of a bit of a bit of jealousy and sibling rivalry, they had dumped their brother down a well and then they'd sold him to some slave traders who happened to pass by and he got taken down to Egypt, sold in the slave markets and ended up in prison, mistakenly or falsely accused of trying to seduce the captain of Pharaoh's army. Joseph. Hello? Wife of, what did I say? Oh, that would be the wrong idea. The wife of the captain of Pharaoh's army. So, the brothers had gone to Egypt. They had negotiated with their brother, Joseph, not realizing it was him because God had now put him in charge of all the food that had been stored up there and growing during seven years of plenty. And they had, they had negotiated that they could have this food. They paid for it with real silver. And, uh, but Joseph said, 
you've got to leave one of your brothers here and bring your youngest brother. Because he had closely questioned them about the youngest brother and found out there was a younger one that wasn't amongst them. And if you've read the story, he goes out and weeps and comes back in because he knows he's challenging his brothers quite deeply. But he, he says, leave one of them here. So he takes Simeon. For some reason, Simeon was in the bad books that week. And he got taken and put in prison while the other brothers went all the way back to Jacob with the food. But when they opened their sacks, they discovered that the silver that they had paid with was in their sacks. And they were terrified because it looked like they'd stolen the food. But this was Joseph's way of blessing his brothers rather than treating them meanly. So, but, the, but they run out of that food and then the dad says this. Take your brother, Benjamin, also, and go back to the man, Joseph, and may El Shaddai, destroyer, may El Shaddai, many-breasted one, grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your older brother and Benjamin come back with you. And then Jacob's blessing of Joseph. The family's reunited after some years And Joseph goes to see his father for the first time in a very long time. Jacob is a very old man, and he blesses all of his sons. He's finally got all 12 of his sons back, having given some of them up for dead more than one occasion. He blesses all his sons, and he comes to bless Joseph, and he gives him a very long blessing. You can read it there in Genesis 49, but one verse of it says, Because of El Shaddai, who blesses you. Because of destroyer who blesses you. Because of the many-breasted one who blesses you. With blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that lies below. Blessings of the breast and womb. Now, some applications of this. Some thoughts about it. Some of us need to understand our mother's embrace because we haven't had it. Our mothers were taken from us for one reason or another, or we were taken from our mothers. That happens. We have broken relationships, dysfunctional mums, alcoholism, drugs, divorce, disease, death. We lose our mum. But do we know that God is a mother to us? This was beautifully illustrated in the book The Shack. Has anybody read The Shack? Yeah, again, a few of us. Beautifully illustrated because the three persons of the, of the Godhead were depicted in that book as characters. And who got the job of being God? A big black mama with a big pot of food that she was always stirring and always had plenty. Mama's kitchen. She was God. And then Jesus was a bit of a dude, actually, He had a nice plaid shirt and work boots and he was a bit of a carpenter and helped out around the place and a nice handsome beard. And that was Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was sort of a sparkly, tinkerbelly sort of a thing that was going on there. But it's a lovely book that illustrates how we can connect with the different persons of the one God that we have. And some need to understand that mother's embrace. You know, when you go back to your bed tonight, wherever it is, and you put your head down, what would happen if you just said, Lord, I'm just putting my cheek against your breast, and I'm just lying here, and this is a safe place for me? What would that be like? What would it be like if you started to relate to God in that way? El Shaddai, 
not the destroyer, not the almighty, but the all-sufficient, many-breasted, nurturing, embracing, comforting mother. Some of us need to be affirmed in our femininity because we didn't have a mum or a big sister who taught us how to be a young woman. They didn't help us to understand that we could enjoy being a sensual person as a woman. And so we need God's affirmation of our femininity. I remember a brief conversation I had with a woman who had been seeing one of my colleagues, one of my other counsellors, and this woman had come out of a lesbian lifestyle and she had been in a lesbian lifestyle because she was desperate to connect with feminine love and attention. And so that's where she had been. But she was coming out of that lifestyle as she came to Christ. And for the first time, I'd, I'd known this woman about three or four years, and for the very first time, I just happened to bump into her and she was wearing a skirt. She was wearing a skirt for the first time that I'd ever seen her. No condemnation if you're not wearing a skirt tonight at all, women or men. Um, so I bumped into her and she said, she just said to me, this is the first time I've worn a skirt in 10 years. What do you think? No, I'm not a great judge of skirts. But I was like, great, it's cool, well done. I was more impressed that she'd taken the step. I was slightly overwhelmed by the big red lips. And she said, and what about the lipstick? Have I overdone it? I was like, no. (laughs) But I wanted to affirm her in the steps she was taking. She was getting in touch with her femininity. She'd been out of touch with her femininity, and she was trying to get feminine connection through sexual relationships with women, and it wasn't working. She felt less feminine while she was doing that. Some of us need to know that we can get in touch with our femininity and the mother heart of God will affirm and encourage that. Some of us as mothers need to know that we're made in God's image, we're doing what God wants us to do. When you're being a mum, and I've seen this with my wife, you're taken out of ministry. You're taken out of frontline leadership. You're not up the front. You're not teaching. The responsibilities that you had, whatever they were, in a work context, disappear. Because you've got a dependent little person who wants you 24-7. And I think mothers need to know that their role is absolutely vital and you are reflecting the heart and character and nature of God in that job you are doing. There isn't a higher calling than that. And I just think women who are mums or becoming mums need to know that or have been mums and think that they've lost their confidence in who they are in ministry or work. And men, this might seem a little odd, but you need affirmation in your femininity. Whether we're male or female, we have aspects of masculinity and femininity within us, and we need to be a balance of both. You know those guys who are so macho and are not in touch with their feminine side, what they're like. You go into their place, you go to where they're living, and the socks are in the sugar basin, and the ketchup's up the wall, and it just doesn't smell very pretty because they're blokes. Well, some of us guys need to get in touch with that caring, nurturing side, particularly if we want to be in an intimate relationship with a woman and have children. 
Because caring, understanding emotions, listening, sharing, communicating, appropriate touch other than sex is really important. So some men need to grow in their femininity. We need to know that part of God and be connected to that. I think I might have had an illustration there. Well, I'll save it for this one. Some look at porn. I would call it idolatry for the mother's breast rather than to El Shaddai, the all-sufficient. A lot of men are pursuing what they think is sexual pleasure. It's actually idolatry. It's a desperate search for the maternal breast that they lost or was interrupted where they experienced disconnection because of a poor relationship with mum. Or they had a really good relationship with mum and they think that they can continue it in this way. They're desperately searching for something. One client that I've been working with recently is a man who's married, he's got children. One day he was shaving and he shaved his chin as he usually would and then he just kept going and he shaved his chest and he shaved his whole body. And he was shocked at what he had done. And then he started putting on women's clothing. And he thought, hey, I'm enjoying this. And then he put himself in counseling because his wife found out that he was cross-dressing and shaving his entire body. That's hard to hide when you're married to somebody. And so he put himself in counseling and said, what's wrong with me? And well, I I don't ask what's wrong with you. I just like to ask what happened to you. So I asked what happened to him in his earlier life. And his mum died when he was about eight. And when he was about nine, his dad married the housekeeper. And the housekeeper was a bit of a matron, a bit of a bully, a bit of a sergeant major sort of a woman, a very masculine woman. And he missed the soft touch of his mother. He missed the smooth caress of his mum. He missed the intimacy and the connection with his mum. And this nasty stepmother, the wicked stepmother, was now the only woman in his life. And he lacked a sense of connection. He chose a very feminine wife. She's a ballet dancer. He chose a very feminine wife. And he noticed that when he had a close connection with his wife, he was less inclined to do this behavior. But when him and his wife got into any difficulties and got distant and particularly when he was behaving in this way, that caused some distance in the marriage, then he would do it more, desperately searching for the feminine because he felt like he was in touch. And one day when I said to him, so are you getting in touch with your mother? Are you trying to become your mother? He broke down and wept as he realized that was what was going on. So some of the dysfunctions in our life are because we're desperately searching for the mum that we disconnected from. And so, whatever it is for you that you might need tonight, okay? I'm not going to ask you to stand up or talk about what the gap might be for you. I'm just going to invite us all to stand, and I'm just going to lead us in a process. And if there's something there for you that you'd like to respond to God with, then feel free to do that. I'll just leave those words up on the screen. If there's anything there you'd like to think about. Feel free to bow your head, close your eyes.
If you feel that you need to receive something from God, feel free just to open your hands out in front of you, perhaps like you're about to receive a gift. God might have something for you. Just feel free to open your hands to say, here I am, God, I'm ready, I'm available, I'm open to whatever you want to give me. Lord, we thank you that you're here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're behind us, in front of us, beside us. You're inside us. You're as close as a mother's embrace. Thank you. Thank you that you're here. Just enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit, our God, close to you. He won't come closer than you want. You decide how close you'll let God, come. Lord, you know our need. You know the gaps. You know where we missed out on a mum or a dad. But particularly tonight, Lord, we're thinking about mums. Thank you for our mum. Thank you that we're here. And she was the one that got us here. But Lord, we recognize that there's no perfect mum. We recognize that he, she was just a child who grew up and had a child. And we're that child who's now grown up. And we want to release her and forgive her and ask you to do what you can to bless her. Some of us feel close to mum, some of us feel distant from them. Some of us don't even know who they are or were. But Lord, thank you that you are a mother-hearted God. And tonight I just want to press my cheek up against your breast. I want to snuggle in close to you. So Lord, come. Come and do something for me. Come and bring your mother heart blessing to me. You blessed Abraham, you blessed Isaac, you blessed Jacob, you blessed Joseph as El Shaddai. Bless me, El Shaddai, bless me tonight. Just start receiving. Just let the Lord give you what you know you need. Tell him what you want to tell him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here, that you love us.